covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at mainboats.com. WERU needs reusable books for the used book booth at our Full Circle Fair, July 26th and 27th at the Blue Hill Fairgrounds. We need books in decent or better condition, which will be sold at the fair to benefit community radio. We will also resell DVDs and videos, so bring those too. Please bring reusable book donations to WERU on Route 1 in East Orland, or call WERU for more information during business hours at 469-6600. Please do not bring old encyclopedias, outdated textbooks, Reader's Digest condensed books, magazines, and any book with mold, mildew, or tattered pages. Book donations may be dropped off at WERU anytime prior to July 20th, so go through your bookshelves today and see what you can recycle for the benefit of community radio. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you at the fair July 26th and 27th at the Blue Hill Fairgrounds. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague is up next. Good morning, good morning. That's uh, Schooner Fair right there. Listen to them carefully. We're going to be talking with one of them later on. Schooner Fair with their Boat Talk theme song. It is time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 102.9, up to Bangor. Boat Talk is a uh, boating call-in show with a uh, horrible oration and uh, occasional ribbing, too. <laughs> this are your anchors, rusty anchors. That's Mike Joyce over there laughing. He thinks that's funny. Bad jokes are a feature of Boat Talk. I'm Alan Sprague, the suave one. And it's a call-in show. I'll tell you the number right now. You might want to write this one down. It's one 625 9378 If you have anything you'd like to contemplate, Nabel, we'll be glad to discuss it. Alan's always got a pun for the front side of Boat Talk, and last night we were chatting what we were going to do this morning, and I thought, well, I wonder what the pun is. And I, no, wait and be surprised. He'll, he'll think of something, I said. Yeah. Sometimes I can't tell you until about 30 seconds before the show. Well, that speaks to some kind of talent, doesn't it? <laughs> or lack there. Some kind. <laughs> lack anyway. of planning, anyway. Yeah, boat talk. Uh, well, we run it kind of loose, and that's why we're always interested in who comes along. Uh, you know, we'll pretty much interrupt ourselves and talk to you at about any time. 1-800. No, nope. one 866 You're right. 
six. No, <laughs> one's eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We can figure it out. Yeah, well, uh, let's brag up our boat talk adventure uh, first oh, yes. off this morning. We, uh, oh, what was it, a Saturday or two ago, uh, June 28th, we did a uh, boat talk cruise out of Northeast Harbor on the Sea Princess, which, uh, interestingly enough, was uh, designed by our friend Giffy Fall. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, mentioned that we were going to go on that cruise probably a month or so to go to Giffy, and he says, on the Sea Princess, you know, I, I built that boat. And he said, well, no, I designed that boat, he says. And I says, whoa, really? Tell me about it. And so, yeah, he uh, he told me that um, he's not really a naval architect, but he had this uh, uh, person who wanted to have a uh, cruise-type boat, something with a large deck for carrying a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, something would be fairly efficient through the water, too. So Giffy, you know, just having the feeling for boats that he does, uh, sat down and started carving a, ha- a half model and making some some drawings too about you know what he think the the length of the boat should be and the width and all that sort of stuff and by the combination of using these drawings and carving out a half model he came up with this design that was actually turned over to a real naval architect who did a little tweaking here and there and put his uh, naval architect stamp on the whole thing and then there was an addition of five of those boats built been reminded lately of uh, terminology, and, and uh, I forget what the other uh, field was, but it was not a boat field, but uh, they were talking, uh, talking shop, and you could hardly understand them. So we like to, if there's uh, questionable terms that might not everybody get, half model. Half model is cool, yeah. Um, you've probably seen them hanging on walls in uh, restaurants or uh, offices or something like that. It's, it's a, it is, in fact, a half model of a hull, usually uh, the... Uh, Port side, right? The bow on the left. I'm going to be. That, yeah, yeah, actually, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, you got this. Stop it. Something, something well. you can hold in your hand and and sort of move it around and look down the sides and say, oh, that looks like a little bit of a too much of a lump there, or yeah. maybe. It, and so you can actually do sort of a anal- analog design by just sort of sighting down and seeing how everything looks on this half yeah. model. Imagine if you had a carving of a boat hull and you cut it in half along the center line the long way yep. and then, like, say, mount that on a board or revolve it and take off shapes for uh, expand the uh, the shape of the boat. That's uh, how the old boys did it. Anyway, uh, nowadays they just punch a button on a computer and the thing revolves. And you, you know, it's unbelievable. Well, I think one of the neatest, neatest things about making a half model was, and it, and it always sort of surprised me when they, when they first did it was when you got a half model you were half happy with lots of times it would divide it into uh 10 stations they're called 10 equal distant markings on the hull from the front to the back and then they cut it on a bandsaw saw it apart yep right and on then the, lay right them on right down on a piece of paper and trace, trace them. around them it's you know, there's your perfect. shape <laughs> yeah there's it's it's uh you know very practical thinking boat builders are a fairly practical bunch yeah yeah we uh, were, were covered by the Mount Desert Islander on our boat talk cruise. The press was aboard. And, uh, uh, Mark Good, former WERU yeah, programmer. Yeah, and uh, without being, uh, you know, advised of the policies, uh, here's a picture of me in the paper. And, uh, you know, uh, I like this little line here. It says that uh, uh, both men uh, host their own music programs on the station and work as boat carpenters. When the station wanted to put together a boat-related show, the pair jumped at the chance to share their knowledge, give advice, and tell bad jokes over the airwaves. Oh, yeah, we went overboard. Well, I think they're referring to Alan about the last part there. But anyway, uh, 
thought that might give us a chance to explain how Boat Talk came into being this morning, which is, uh, I think, kind of an interesting story. Yeah, not often we get around to the truth here. So yeah, well, <laughs> good point, bud. Uh, Paul Brayton was a uh, one of the original board members. He is over to uh, what uh, Brooksville there. He hauls boats and uh, ranches mussels in the in the uh, salt pond stuff like that. But anyway, Paul is a nautical type fella. He was on the board originally and uh, looking around what the possibilities were for the station. He says, "Well, we got to have a show about boats." Yeah, look at where we are. Yeah, and so uh, on his own, he pretty much uh, contacted um, a couple people and he got a hold of uh, Maynard Bray and Joel White. And uh, they did the initial boat talk. Yeah, he kind of started at the top, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And uh, the thing is about those fellas, though, they were they were approached and they uh, were glad to do it. But they're, you know, Alan and I are, are kind of into the radio, you know. We do this other thing as well. So, um, you know, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't settle down to be a full-time steady thing with them. And over the years, there were occasional episodes of boat talk by different people, including Alan and I. And then one year, uh, about, what, nine years ago now, something like that, ten I years think ago? it was, yeah, 2001. Hard to, hard to imagine. Somewhere around there. Uh, 99, maybe. 99, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, was... they came to us as, uh, why don't you guys do a boat talk? Great, no problem, July. Great, love to. And that went so well, why don't you do it for the rest of summer? Sure, no problem. That went so well, they says, you guys got to do this all year round. And I was appalled. Yeah. I was aghast. What we, yeah, we both said, what are we going to talk about in January? Yeah, I mean, come on. And, uh We've had moments where Alan and I will call each other up if we even bother to before we get here sometimes and, and uh, say, well, what do you got? Nothing. What do you got? Nothing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Poor us, you know. Do a talk show, nothing to talk about. But it's never been a problem. We have learned to trust the audience. And, uh, you know, we, uh, if we run out of stuff to talk about, we're doing it wrong. Yeah, so. our, our magic solution is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. There you go. So that's the Boat Talk Cruise. And I must say that... Uh, a really good time was had by all the the boat goes really smoothly. It was really quiet. Seats like seventy odd people. We took fifty. Uh, they weren't all odd. You're right. Yeah. Some Most of them. Of them yeah. yeah. Some of them were kind of good looking. Other ones were charming. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> and then there was you and me. Yeah. And then we uh, we cruised over to Seal Harbor and, and uh, we had a look at Martha's house and somebody. Uh, oh yeah. A thoughtful uh, a traveler had brought some of Martha's uh, uh, a cookie recipe. I think that's a challenge for next year. Yeah, and these were uh, a bready kind of cookie with a lemony kind of center and uh, crisp edges. They were really it was it was a good cookie. They were very tasty. They yeah. were good cookies. They surprised you in several different directions, and uh, you know we waved at Martha up on the hill there, and <laughs> then went over to Southwest and up uh, Some Sound, and and uh, you know over saw to, the eighty uh, year old Osprey Ness. Yep, off of Sutton's Island, and it, you know it just was a it was a really nice time. I think if we aired, we didn't charge enough. A lot of people said that they were willing to pay. It was only 10 bucks, you know. And that all went to the radio station. We also had a tip jar out there, and we were able to give the boat 60 or 80 bucks for gas and trouble. Captain Andy Allen uh, was driving. He had a great time. There was a little crew that perched up in the wheelhouse the whole time, a lobster fisherman buddy and some others, telling uh, boat stories with the captain and uh, then the rest of the people out back on the benches. And It was just a good time, and I'm thinking we need to do it again, Um, if not this fall, certainly next spring again. And uh, why not think about branching out geographically, you know? Yeah. Why yeah. not uh, a why cruise out of Camden? We, all we need is a boat, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the other Cambodian people would like to go for a row with them sometime, too. We heard that this morning, yeah. too. Yeah. The Cambodian people would like to, down in Belfast, would uh, invite us down to, uh, you know, go for a row. would be celebrity rowers, yeah. I guess. Well, I think a, a foliage tour out of Camden would be something I'd fall for. 
Yeah, that's uh, like I say, that's an excellent idea. So off we go, and uh, you know, you got a boat, a tour boat that. Uh, you know, you'd like to lend to the Boat Talk cause for, for an evening? Give us a call. Well, and, I think uh, uh, we'll see what back, happens. Back to that Martha Stewart thing. I think that's going to be an interesting challenge for next year. I wonder, hey, guys, anybody. you're about to have company. Oh, morning, Matt. Here comes the other Matt Murphy. Yeah. Anyway, what about Martha Stewart? Um, next, uh, next cruise next summer that goes to Seal Harbor. Again, I think uh, anybody who uh, can make a, a recipe for the cruise out of any one of Martha Stewart's cookbooks. Should we get in a special award? We'll have to figure out what the award will be, but it's kind of a challenge. Free ticket, maybe. <laughs> free ticket for the following Free salsa. <laughs> well, yeah, there was free salsa and, uh, you know, uh, your quiche. Did you do pie it? anyway? I'm going to tell them the story about your quiche. No, we no, it's fine. I had to give the recipe a couple of times. I guess it worked. But anyway, Matt Murphy just walked in, sat down, and. I, and I didn't come in to talk about boats quiche. or recipes <laughs> or quiche per, per se, but I, I did come in to. Uh, on behalf of the station, to thank you, uh, you gentlemen, for putting together this boat talk cruise. It was a, a, a new, a new idea, and uh, a new event that, that, by all accounts, went over really well. And, and everyone at the station really appreciates it. The board and, the, and uh, liked the idea, heard about it, and said, "Well, that's a pretty neat thing." And so, just on behalf of the station, I want to thank uh, both, uh, both of you, uh, Alan and Mike, for for putting together this this new event that went over with flying colors. The idea seems to be spreading already because I noticed the new potatoes people are having a bus that is going to go That's see, right. what, the Tannen Hill Weavers That's somewhere right. else in Maine. Well, I thought they might go to Aroostook County and dig some potatoes. Well, how about the, uh, bus we all break down into our little constituencies. <laughs> the blues people go for a, you know, blues cruise. The, you know what I'm saying, the folk people uh, get together and sing Kumbaya. The, that, that could be a way of doing, you know, uh, program and genre-specific events uh, that folks can get involved with. And so certainly Botox set a good example. For yeah, everyone. we don't want to ghettoize the audience, but right. uh, like I said, everybody's got different interests around here. And what we want to do, if we do it really right, if we could get a new potatoes person who doesn't know nothing about boats on the Boat Talk cruise and a boat person up to the new potatoes concert, then cross-training, you know, yeah. a little cross-pollination. Yeah, That's the dream. Anybody who thinks Celtics is... Uh, the way you pronounce it should go with the uh, should the be new on, come with right. the boat talk people, I guess. <laughs> Maybe anyway. I'll li- listen to WZON when they're having a basketball show or something, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, well, thank you guys well, thank you, very Matt. much. It fell into our lap, and we yeah. were glad to yeah. uh, you know take advantage. And thanks to the, the the ferry crew as as well for. Uh, Yes, uh, Bar that Harbor, was very nice of them. Bar Harbor Cruises, the yeah. Very, very nice of That's them the to sea do that. That's the Princess. You can s- s- visit, if you're interested in the cruise, for uh, some future reference. They're under um, barharborcruises.com is their website. Yeah, and they're also right down at the town dock in Northeast Harbor, and uh, they give uh, cruises on a regular, regular uh, daily basis and uh, with naturalists aboard. And the ride really was smooth and quiet, I must say. And it was, uh, it's protected up forward, and you can sit in the open out back. It's a uh, sea princess, like say, uh, they're our friends, and good deal. Yep. So anyway. So, so thanks all right. to all. Well, there's your Boat Talk cruise. Uh, I'm heading back ashore. Fair enough. <laughs> Permission to go ashore. Here's uh, something that's kind of related. Um, there is a thing called Main Built Boats. It's an association that promotes just what it says, Main Built Boats. They have a new president, a lady named Jane Wellahan. She is trying to get her uh, head around the organization and what to do. They have a um, wired grant and from the U.S. Department of Labor their goal is to increase the boat 
building labor force by 2,000 people now. How are you going to do that? They've already uh, committed to um, 53 ads at a cost of $630,000, $650,000. We'll have to see how that goes. But here's the interesting part. Um, Phineas Sprague, he runs Portland Yacht Services down in uh, Portland. That's also where the main boat builders show is. He keeps his schooner down in Antigua. And they have, of course, the big Antigua boat show every spring. And uh, he was prevailed upon to buy the dock for a day, and they put on a main boat party down there. Well, Linda Bean, the Bean heiress, heard about that. And she's in a new venture of uh, Maine Foods, and she uh, sent down 400 charges of lobster stew. And I bet they had some Maine beer, and they gave out Maine boating publications on the dock, and they had a Maine party there. And people were really, really impressed. And uh, that's how you sell boats, for one thing. And uh, there's an organization called Boats International. And the uh, former owner of Boats International was at the party. He was just blown away by it. He was totally impressed. Uh, mm -hmm. Lobster stew and everything else. So he has proposed that they go to the Monaco Boat Show in 2009. The classic boat regatta in Monaco. As it says here... Uh, this is entirely by invitation only, a regatta for the wealthiest people in the world. You could not get on your hands and knees and beg to get into that place. Just to be offered an invitation speaks well for what we're trying to do. The expense of going there could be considerable, and uh, but there are real benefits, and that's what they need to consider. So, great, I'm all for that, but here's here's my point to the whole thing. They gave out Maine Lobster Stew, uh, maybe some Maine beers. They gave out some Maine boating publications. On the cruise the other night, we gave everybody a Boat Talk CD. I think we need to get a hold of Maine boats, Maine-built boats, and, uh, you know, why can't they be distributing some Boat Talk CDs sure. and get us some more publicity and spread the thing out a little bit? We reflect well on them. Did I say that uh, <laughs> that amount of confidence? But anyway, we would hope we reflect well on them, and, and uh, they would certainly reflect well on us. So. Well, we certainly uh, both agree that Maine-built boats are... Uh, Probably uh, one of the best classes of boats in the world. Well, and sometimes knowing what we do about them, because, you know, nobody's perfect, it kind of makes you wonder about well, the other fellows. But. There are some other good boat building areas, but, you know, yeah. de definitely a hot spot for boat building. Here so anyway, that's the, uh, that's the uh, promotional end of things. Here's a, uh, another interesting little note about main built boats. Hodgson Brothers down in East Booth Bay, they kind of specialize in mega yachts. Mm -hmm. And, and Scheherazade. Uh, Scheherazade is now for sale. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about Scheherazade in a minute maybe. But anyway, uh, they have uh, picked up a former shoe factory, Etonic Shoe Factory in Richmond, Maine, which is over near Augusta. And uh, they are using it now to build yacht interiors. And they're uh, going to hire on as many as, where is it here, 35 um, additional jobs. And they're now going to, um, they don't have uh, a great amount of room down on the waterfront in East Booth Bay. So they are uh, geographically hemmed in. They're going to build yacht interiors inland and truck them to the coast. Hmm. So in a former shoe factory. And how did the shoe factory happen to be empty? You well, well, never mind. So anyway. Well, anyway, yeah. So they'll be bringing some interiors from the interior. Yeah. So uh, let's see. There was something else connected there. We'll, we'll figure it out in a minute. Uh, there were a couple boats caught fire. The Graves boys out of Northeast Harbor on midnight. They were off of uh, Mount Desert Rock a couple weeks ago, and uh, the boat caught fire about 9 o'clock in the morning. They uh, got into their survival suits and into a life raft, tried to call somebody on the phone, but they had uh, no service. <laughs> they drifted around for several hours before the cell phone worked, and then uh, they got somebody on the phone. 
Coast Guard uh, flew a jet up to him, and, and people went out on the water. Every, every lobsterman in sight stopped what he was doing and headed for the area to search mm-hmm. for him. But it was dead foggy at the time. Oh. So they drifted around for another couple hours. Before anybody found them, they spent about five hours in the life raft, and everybody's fine. Okay. There well, was another we boat. A, we have a phone call. Yep, so. another one uh, sank off of uh, Booth Bay just the other day. Same thing, boat fire. So that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, that's always a burning issue. Midnight was brand new as well. And uh, there's another joke for you. Brand new boat, what could go wrong? Well, things <laughs> are bound to go maybe more wrong on a new boat. But anyway, let's answer the phone. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Uh, thank you. It's Gray in Hi, Hancock. Gray. Uh, all your talk about cruises and going to Monaco and boat shows and boat promoting boat building, I just, it all came together and I have a great idea. I don't know how it's going to take a lot of people to do it if it ever happens, but it's, it might lead to something. Um, where I go in West Africa, um, one of the places I go is in the southern part of Senegal uh, called Casamance. There's a small fishing village a reasonably small fishing village named Kafuntin, which is the center of uh, boat building over there. They build wooden boats, a uh, very different kind of attitude towards the building than we do here. It's a different tradition, obviously. Um, they're having trouble now with uh, deforestation and getting proper wood and everything, and um, the things are changing. Um, they have their traditional style of boat, which is uh, amazing, amazingly successful when you think about it. Um, it's sort of shaped like a dugout, but it's much more subtle and sophisticated. And it's, it's made from um, large timbers and planking and everything. And they go, you know, people who can't swim go out fishing like 20 miles from shore and stuff. And they don't drown very often, as far as I can tell. But wouldn't it be great to have like uh, a cruise to West Africa of boat builders and forestry ecologists and people like that to go and um, just to mingle and mix and talk about problems and solutions and, and whatnot. At any rate, I'm just putting that out there as like a, a, a transatlantic uh, thing that could be done, and it probably could benefit WERU along the way. That's, that's just my thought. That's a great idea, Greg. It's sort of already been done in, it cent- has. in Central America. Ah, okay. Yeah, Greg Roussel, who uh, you know well, is a WERU volunteer, World of Music. Uh, Greg, uh, I believe, uh, was part of a uh, bunch of people that went down to, I believe it was Costa Rica, and uh, um, come up with a new boat design, which would be easily built out of uh, less than tree-length, um, you know, um, hulls that they were uh, hollowing out and stuff and they did that years ago it was covered in wooden boat magazine and that is of course an excellent idea well maybe maybe west africa's due for a visit that's all that's all i'm saying then mm-hmm. wow i don't get there or central america very often <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway uh great show and uh i'm uh we're all listening to you so don't make any mistakes or bad puns oops okay bye-bye thank morning you, gray we thank you a, we have another call let's yeah. go right to that one Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hey, how are you doing this morning? This is Will Andon. Oh, morning, Will. Well, you're breaking up a little bit, but give it a try. I'm coming outside. How's that? Is that better? Yeah, better. that's working. Uh, just a couple of snippets of news. Uh, you were talking about burning boats. Uh, a boat burned last Thursday to the waterline just about in Rockport. I saw the whole thing from the initial puff right through the time the Coast Guard eventually grounded it. Oh, man, that's going to be hard to watch, isn't it? It was pretty bad. Was, and, uh, was it, it on the morning? It was on a mooring, burned off it, and then uh, was drifting in toward uh, the mega boats at uh, oh, Rockport Marine. Oh, extra points, yeah, for drifting. And, 
Yeah, but the harbor master did their stuff and uh, and put an anchor with a chain on it and dragged her back out to safety, and then the Coast Guard came. Wow. So uh, Was anybody that, aboard? There were two fishermen aboard, and uh, they had opened the companionway below and got hit by uh, a wall of smoke and uh, a, uh, a tender from the local uh, Rockport Boat Club, who uh, who's, uh, they uh, kind of attend to small dinghies doing training, Pulled one guy off, and then the harbor master came out and got the other, and then uh, kept the boat out of real danger. Wow. And the other snippet, is, I happen to be there rigging this uh, colonial schooner you may have heard of, Caledonia. I have Well, it was a Chappelle design, and as uh, some people know, Chappelle designs have some limitations. And um, it, when it was first built, it uh, was in the slings in Bapturn Turtle, so they rebuilt a big part of it at Rockport Marine several years ago. And um, is sitting on the heart for a few years because the owner is pretty much um, incapacitated with age. And uh, this fellow named Charles from British Columbia bought it and has uh, refitted it and uh, went into water last uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, it's good to see it out on the water with its uh, yellow trim and black body. Now, Will, you're you're saying this was a, a colonial design? Did you say it was? I, I don't know the the full. Um, background of it, but it's basically uh, meant to be uh, a takeoff of a colonial uh, schooner. More bluff-bowed, I would guess, than, than your average... Uh... Yep, fairly. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Howard Chappelle was... Um, he was a big uh, architect. Well, he was... Uh, he wrote the uh, more or less authoritative book on boat building. Yeah, he was a uh, boat building historian, and yeah, he's uh, um, <laughs> noted for saving boat lines and, and uh, yeah, history. That kind of stuff. Pretty cool. Right. Boy, uh, like you say, watching that boat burn, that's just got to be frustrating and, and uh, heart-rending. To... Was it a fiberglass boat? It was a fiberglass boat, lobster boat, mm-hmm. about 35 feet or so, I'd say. Yeah. Boy, when you smell smoke, and, and uh, you really shouldn't be ignoring that now, should you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll bet you uh, his survival suits were down on the bunk, too. I know a lot of lobstermen leave them down there, and it's kind of yeah. a bad idea. I, I don't know about that. I, I didn't hear that part of the detail, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. There's not any place above board to keep them, usually. Yeah, no, our buddy uh, Jack McKay, his boat burned off of Mount Desert Rock the other year, and that was one of the lessons that he learned was, uh, you know, the survival suit was way up forward, buried under a bunch of, you know, oil filters and stuff, you know how it gets, and, and uh, that was a lesson for everybody, and you need to learn from other people's mistakes. For sure. I had a uh, Volkswagen Beetle. We were driving up to go skiing one time, old uh, 65 Bug, and kind of smelled smoke, and no, no, we kept going, and finally turned around. The back seat was just a wall of smoke, and, <laughs> and uh, our gear in the back seat had grounded the seat springs on the battery. Yep. As I like to say, the bug had changed from internal to spontaneous combustion, you know. <laughs> and we jumped out, and I said to my buddy, quick, run and get some snow. And he took one step, and he looked, and the snow line's like a half mile down the bottom of a hill uh, across the field. And he's like, you go get some snow. And we pulled the seat out, and that car smelled for a long time. It's a chicken house in Nova Scotia now, last time I saw it. So yep. don't it ignore the start. smell of smoke. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank Thanks you, Will. Thanks guys. Thanks, Will. Good to talk to you. Yeah. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. That's the number around boat talk this morning. We're going to talk to uh, Chuck Romanoff in a couple minutes, but uh, let's see. We got a couple other little notes here. Fishing notes. Uh, red. T- uh, no. Uh, let's do the whale rope thing first. Uh, new regulations that fishermen have to replace all their 
uh, floating line with sinking line so that there won't be snagging right whales, you know, and that's uh, some controversy over the fishermen don't think that the right whales are in their gear, but the whales do have uh, rope marks. 75% of the whales got rope marks on them. They find and retrieve main fishing gear on whales off of Florida. I mean, it does happen. Um, the fishermen have got a reprieve. They have, uh, were supposed to have their rope changed over by this October, and now it's next April. They've got a six-month reprise. There is controversy about the rope itself. They don't have enough of the uh, sinking line at the present time to outfit the whole main fleet, and uh, they're talking about another kind of rope, low profile, which would sort of be in between the two, and that's up for uh, grabs whether that's going to be appropriate or not. So they're still uh, talking about all that. Phone's ringing again. Well, we have Schooner Fair. Oh, good. Morning, Chuck. How you doing, Mike? Good. Chuck Romanoff is uh, half a schooner fair with yeah. his brother Steve. Um, Steve was an English teacher at Deering High School years ago where I graduated. I never had uh, Steve as a teacher. And Chuck and I uh, belong to a uh, society together. We're both X-Men. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Which makes us uh, graduates of St. Francis Xavier University in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. <laughs> yeah, X-Men so have a very distinctive uh, X-Ring. I don't have one, right. but you do. I and, do. Uh, For those who are confused, that doesn't mean we're formerly men. Yeah, there's a tradition yeah. of uh, yeah. Portland uh, uh, boys going from Chevers High School to, which is what you did, to Antigonish to yeah. Saint of X. It was great. It was my, it was a turning point in my life. That's me sure. too. And my dad uh, did that, and I didn't want to go to Chevers with only boys and have to wear a tie, so I went to Deering, <laughs> but ended up at Saint of X because I didn't want to go to University of Maine and figured I was going to have four more years of high school if I went to Orono, so <laughs> it was one of the best things I ever did, so so anyway, we Good have luck. that in common, but yeah. Chuck, how'd you grow up to be a musician? Oh, I don't, I don't ever remember not playing, I mean, when, I guess I was nine years old when my father handed me a ukulele and showed me how to play a song called Down in Jungle Town, followed up by something called My Name is Johnson from Carolina, and the, the, all, of, all of my siblings and I all learned those songs using a, a number system that my father invented. He had no idea that number systems actually exist out there in the real world. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Now, yeah. uh, how did Schooner Fair get started? Well, it, it sort of fell out of a larger uh, uh, organization. Um, people will re recall Devon Square, which started as a trio and then grew into a larger configuration in around, I want to say, 71 it was, uh, and uh, I had just gotten out of the Army and I uh, started hanging around. I had nothing else to do. I'd, I'd give myself some time off for the summer and uh, spent time singing with the group, doing a, a part of their fourth set every night in Portland, and we had a lot of fun, and then it came time for them to make some changes. Boy, uh, there was myself and two other people were drafted into, into that group, and the, we played for four years, and uh, four more years, I should say, and then in 75, Steve and I and Tom Rowe all together decided we wanted to do we wanted to do stuff that was a lot more folky and less pop, and Schooner Fair uh, fell out of that. Folk purists, <laughs> not so pure, but uh, you know, definitely in the, uh, more focused about that. You know, we we love all kinds of. You know, we had a little bit of, we had some pop, we had some jazz, we had, you know, some other influences, but, uh, but yeah, definitely folk. I, I have a boating question for you. Uh-huh. Uh, what's with the name, Schooner Fair? Well, uh, we were pretty uh, young and restless in those days, and uh, 
and had a had a biting uh, appreciation for the uh, for the history of Maine at the time. Uh, uh, we're very focused on uh, on the music of the of coastal Maine, and even although not not exclusively at all, but we really loved that, uh, that there was a vast body of material that had been you know collected and popularized by the likes of Gordon Bach and like and uh, and yeah. there was just a great wealth of material, and, and we, did, whole, we weren't hearing s- enough of that, you know, and so we said, well, you know, we love this music, and let's have some fun singing it, even if nobody else shows up. And uh, it, it 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 was a focus of time, and the and the name has a nice ambiguity. We thought at the time, uh, you may recall from your Nova Scotia days that a schooner is also a large glass vessel that holds beer. Uh, that was a nice so we were still, you know, <laughs> as I say, young and young and foolish, and uh, and of course a uh, a schooner uh, is a working vessel that doesn't stray too far from home, stays fairly close to to the coastline and, and does a variety of different things pretty much under the radar uh, does them pretty well you know carrying various loads uh, to various uh, destinations and uh, we thought that, that that more described what we were trying to do musically you know we were sticking, sticking close to home doing a doing a good job uh, at doing different things in different places uh, with focus on, on, on the salt water nice modest plan yeah. Now I am. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the band, but I um, there was a uh, a trio came by here a, a couple of years ago, um, and their gig is they do uh, their guitar trio, uh, electric, and they do uh, surf music basically, and they wear Mexican wrestling masks. <laughs> okay, and that's okay. that's their hook. Okay, and I asked the fellow. I says, "What's the power of the mask?" And he looked at me and he says, "What do you mean?" I says, "Well, what's the power of the mask?" And he says, there's no power to that. I says, why do you wear them? He says, oh, it just lets old, old farts uh, play rock and roll longer, you know? <laughs> and it's a good stage trick. But what I'd ask you is, what's the power of, of uh, having the boats and the water in the music? Oh, the power? Yeah, uh, you it, know, it's, you, it's, 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 a lot of maritime songs, they, they resonate yeah. somehow, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. It has, you know, most songs about uh, the, the sea, whether it's fishing or sailing, boat building, uh, they have a nice universal kind of an appeal. Uh, who doesn't love any of those things, even if you're not directly involved in it? They have, a, have it, it's, it has a natural attraction. People are fascinated by boat building, about uh, about sailing. You know, uh, people travel great long distances to, to go out on, on one of the wind jammers and just experience the creaking and the snapping of the canvas. You know, the people that really don't have that in in their repertoire, but they really love the experience, and uh, it's it's pretty magical. Uh, moving water, as Dave Mallet said, you know the the vital signs. Moving water has has its own has its own magic. I think it's uh, inherently relaxing, personally. Oh you know, yeah, and always a good thing. I well, you know what uh, Charles Schultz said about uh, there are three things in, in his Peanuts column. He said many many years ago, three things transfix the human tension. One is uh, a crackling fire, another a rippling stream, and the third a zamboni clearing the ice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, boat talk, like I say, uh, we were talking about the history of boat talk earlier. It wasn't really started with us, and uh, but we kind of inherited. We also inherited some theme music, which was uh, Lyle Lovett's "If I Had a Boat." You know, and if I had yep. a pony, I'd ride him on the great theme yeah. song. Loved it. It is good. 
Then they started uh, podcasting Boat Talk, taking it and posting it up onto the web so people could uh, listen to it at any time, boattalk.org or weru.org. And um, there are copyright problems with uh, music on the World Wide Web. And think of the World Wide Web as uh, in its infancy and and copyright uh, issues and stuff. And we looked up on, um, you know, what it might take to legally use Lyle's song. And the first thing we had to do was send... uh, 280 or 300 and something dollars to the Harry Fox agency in yep. Broadway. Yep. That enables us to uh, enter the bent over position and start <laughs> paying fees, okay, which are not really specified, but I heard that Rush Limbaugh takes the music off of his shows before he posts them on the web. Now, that speaks to, like I say, unreasonable copyright. So all of a sudden, we're without a theme song, and we went looking around. I'd always uh, known this old uh, traditional one, Eyes the Buy. Eyes the Buy that builds the boat, and Eyes yeah. the Buy that sails her. Great Newfoundland song. I knew it from Stompin' Tom Connor from uh, New- right. Newfoundland uh, folk guy. So anyway, and then I found out you folks did it and got a hold of you, and, and you uh, really nicely let me cut the instrumental break after uh, the vocal uh, you know, ended there so we could use it as theme music, and, and I think we're back in, in theme song heaven again and couldn't thank oh, you more. that's good. That's our, our, our pleasure. That, yeah. that also highlights the penny whistle uh, antics of the late Tom Rowe. Yeah, and Tom, uh, like I say, was one of the founded members of Schooner Fair, and he's passed on, right? Yes, he has. Yeah. And you and Steve carry on, and, and yeah. uh, how can people get a hold of Schooner Fair, and where could they run into you? Well, let's see. The easiest way to find out what's going on is just to go to schoonerfair.com, and uh, that, that has much more information than, than humans require. But it has scheduling and albums and discography and stuff like that and the, I guess the uh, and uh, the schedule uh, for the summer uh, we have something coming up on Peaks Island on July 19th which is a great time and down at Ocean Park and Old Orchard on August 3rd so I hope people will uh, stay in touch and if you don't uh, if you don't use the internet and just want to use an 800 number it's 1-800-73-FOLKS F-O-L-K-S 800-73-FOLKS oh isn't that a good one yeah yeah well, Chuck, we could, we're very proud to know you. Let's put it that way, you know. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for including us in your in your program, oh. and thanks to all the WERU listeners for supporting us and buying albums over the years. And we we appreciate you sending all your albums to us too. Anybody who wants to hear a Schooner Fair song can call up and make a request. Right there, you go. Yeah, they can. Here's I hope, some, I hope they will. Here's some cross training too. The uh, Over the Rainbow uh, lady Rhonda uh, sent me a thing last month about um, a little news clipping that, uh, you know, we did talk about last, last month, and uh, you have an album called Schooner Kids. Yeah, we do. Yeah, i got to pass that to Rhonda, so, uh, you know, we and, will. and yeah, so it spreads. It's one of, uh, one of our finest efforts, I think. There's some great songs on Yeah. So anyway, Chuck Romanoff from Schooner Fair this morning. Couldn't, like I say, proud to know you, bud, and, and uh, thanks for talking to us this morning. Thank you, Mike. All, All the best. All right, look All forward right. to seeing you sometime. All righty. Yeah, good morning, and... Uh, believe there's somebody waiting on the phone, is there? And the number is one eight six 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 two five nine. The Boat Talk. Good morning. You're on Boat Talk. Oh, hello. Almost. I can hear you in the background. Nope. Um, uh, Amy says try, try again. You were uh, quite muted there. one 625 Don't want to be yelling at you. Here's a, while we're waiting for her to call back, um, here's another interesting one. Um, 
I think the water is changing, okay? You got this whole global warming, uh, some people call it a debate, some people call it a reality, some people call it a scam, you know, but uh, I, I'm a, of the firm opinion that the water is changing down here. It's warming up, and uh, we have, for instance, um, oh, Torito worms now, uh, shipworms, mm. okay? We have Very boring. different, oh, he done it again. We have uh, different species of uh, marine life that gets here on, on boats, green crabs, for instance, didn't used to be here in the past and uh, one of the natural phenomenons that we've always had is red tide. Now red tide is an algae bloom that ho happens in the water and sometimes it gets really strong and clams and mussels eat it and then you can't eat them. Red tide is always out there, okay, but depending on weather conditions and water temperature it uh, comes and goes in different concentrations. 2005 was the worst year ever for red tide in Maine, and they estimate that uh, between 5 and $12 million were lost of, uh, you know, economic activity there. That was a calamity. Oh, how does he do it? <laughs> so anyway, there's a bad red tide happening right now in pretty much uh, the whole length of the coast and large closers, including many areas that have never been closed before. And uh, it was down to the southern, and now it's uh, spread down east. And down south, it's uh, actually letting up right now, but down east, they're having a bad time. Pretty much from Isle of Ho to the Canadian border, with a couple of small exceptions. Um, you know, it's red tide time. And my point would be, I guess, so once again, I think the water's changing. Well, I, in a lot of, in a more geological viewpoint, I could say, well, yeah, you know, because yeah, things time, always change does. on Earth, too. Yeah, that's true. But I think the rate of change, I think we're probably accelerating. And another, one other point you mentioned the other day to me, too, was the amount of acid rain we're getting. We're getting a, a more acidic runoff into the uh, shore waters. Yep, which makes lobsters, which have a calcium carbonate shell, which is a basic kind of thing that they extract from the water. That makes it harder for them to have hard shells. And, and, you uh, have a pun there, but okay. Barely. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, the... Uh, um, we'll talk about the lobster fishery, too. I mean, times is changing down to the southern to here again. Uh, in Massachusetts and Rhode Island waters, they're having a black shell disease. Um, lobsters are not getting hard. Okay. They're um, still eatable, but they're too ugly to look at. And uh, the boys are going out of business. And, and I'm telling you, the thing is changing. And with uh, we'll get to the price of bait and gas and lobster in, in, in a couple minutes here, maybe. But anyway, yeah, it's all connected. I think we have that phone caller back in. We'll give another try. Good morning, Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, can you hear me better this time? A little yes. better, yes. yes. we can. Who are we speaking with? Uh, this is Sunny in Belfast. Good uh, morning, Sunny. Sunny. What's up? Well, I was just curious. Um, you guys were talking about the Boat Talk cruise, and I guess it was a big success. And I think there are a lot of people maybe that couldn't go. I know I, know I couldn't make it. And you're talking about doing another one. I'm like, why wait until September? How about another one maybe sooner over the summer? That is a heck of a good idea. Um, all we need is a boat. Yeah, all we need is a boat. And uh, you know how it is in the summertime. We've, uh, For instance, i got to go out to Isle Hoe and visit. You think I can find time to go out to Isle Hoe and visit and, uh, you know, just screw off? Well, it's the time now, nowadays where you got to make hay, so it is the busy season. Um, we're uh, seriously thinking about a fall cruise, and certainly next year. But that's an excellent idea, Sonny. You know anybody down in the Belfast area that's got a tour boat, wants to uh, take us? You know, actually, I do. Because uh -huh. we're a lot better connected uh, further east, you know. Yeah, there's a boat called The Good Return. She's out of Belfast. Melissa, yeah. Melissa Terry is a skipper. And uh, I used to work on that boat. I could talk to her. We'd appreciate that. You go right ahead, Sonny. Yeah. You, have, yeah. you have our uh, 
our uh, what do you call it? A permission to act as our representative. Yeah, you, you can contact us, or anybody can contact us through our website. W e r u no, our website is boattalk.org. Yeah. Don't yeah. make any promises. We probably can't keep. Other than that, you tell them anything you want about us. Okay. <laughs> Will do. Thank you, guys. Well, it sounds like fun, Sonny. Yeah, I hope it works out. I think uh, it would be really fun to do it again this summer if possible. Oh, yeah. So, we can get so it together. Check it out. We'll, we'll, we'll make check. a promo. Yeah, there's no reason why not, like I say. And, and uh, we uh, have no problem going for a boat ride about ever. <laughs> it was a pretty easy thing to do. It was BYOB, and we had some snacks and stuff, and uh, pretty much everybody had a beer or a glass of wine. and, and uh, you Some know, really good food there. Yeah, there was a, a youngster aboard, and, and uh, you know, oh, yes. just a um, bunch of happy people. Marlon. Otherwise. Marlon, yeah. 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 Marlon started off on a tether, and then uh, Marlon got free, and, and uh, Marlon had a pretty good time. He so. finally uh, had Dad carry him up to the driver of the boat because Marlon wanted to <laughs> yep. So anyway, Marlon was cool, and we can talk about tethers, uh, but anyway, I didn't want to alarm him. Uh, you can get in trouble on a tether if you go overboard and can't get back on. Mm. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the fishery for a minute. Uh, talking to some lobstermen uh, yesterday, and of course the uh, price of fuel is up, price of bait is up, and guess what about the price of lobster? Yeah. It ain't up. $6 it's, a pound, I saw. It's just dead. Well, that may be in the store. They're That's talking, yeah, retail. They're talking about going to $3 at the co-op wow. dock. And that would be down, okay, which is not a good trend at the present time. Now, a lot of boys aren't out fishing right now and are having to decide what it's worth. There's other fellows who uh, take stern men who are noticing the stern men's earning more than the captain in the boat because the stern man gets a guaranteed kind of, you know. Yeah. Okay. And you've got to look at what's going on there. So, uh, you know, how are we making a living? Now, the boys, let's face it, they've been doing good for a number of years. And uh, new boats, new trucks. And uh, there is a whole one-upsmanship now. If the fellow next to you has got a new truck and a new boat, well, you've got to have a bigger truck and a bigger boat. They've been doing that for a while. They've been doing pretty good. You ask a lobsterman what he earns, he wouldn't even dream of letting you even come close to figuring it out. But I'm telling you, they make a good living from the sea there. Think of it as a public garden. We've also talked in the past about the inefficiency of the typical lobster trap, a book called The... uh, Secret Life of Lobsters, Trevor Corson, or the uh, Lobster Coast. Um, ooh, think of Colin Woodard, okay? Both have this story in it of the lobster trap video. Uh, the University of Maine put a video camera in a lobster trap, threw it overboard. What happens down there? Well, it turns out that as soon as the trap hits the bottom, lobsters flock to it, and they enter and fight over the bait. And it also turns out that something like 94% of lobsters that enter the trap can exit. And as we said before, you call that a trap? And uh, think about how much bait goes into the water and think about the ranching theory of lobstering, which I've come to, I've come to think of as kind of fish farming. They are feeding those lobsters, okay? And uh, the fact that everybody's making a good living and, uh, you know, it's not really that easy to catch a lobster. You'd think, well, if they flock to the trap, what's the hard part? Well, the hard part's pulling it up while they're in there, okay? And... Uh, you know, not everybody uh, is, uh, you know, can catch as many lobsters as the other guy. Well, here's the thing. If you could design a more efficient trap, one that the lobsters could get into but not out of, that would ostensibly be good for fishermen, wouldn't it? Because, uh, you know, the price is high, and now you've upped the efficiency. That's a good thing. But if we had a trap that 95% of lobsters could not get out of, what would that do to the balance of the ecology of the fishery? 
mm-hmm. you know? And uh, would we be not ranching and feeding those lobsters so much? And here's an ad in the, uh, oh, I think this was in the fisherman, fish, uh, Fisherman's Voice. Lobstermen with high fuel and bait costs. Good fishing, a good fishing efficient trap is necessary. Steady clips and hoop, hoop gates will fit on your traps that are fishing now. This uh, hoop gate thing. Shrimp twine parlor heads with a four and a half or five inch hoop are very efficient at catching lobsters quickly, but will not hold them long. Easy in, easy out. The hoop gate will let them through easily, but will not let them out. Our night and sons of Gunquit, Maine. Mm-hmm. And uh, what if we mess with the efficiency of the lobster trap? I'm telling you, things is changing, and that looks like a no-brainer. But what might be the consequences? Um, mess with the mess with Mother Nature, and wow, how how complicated could that be? You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just found that uh, ad kind of caught my eye there, and I found that kind of interesting. That is interesting. Yes, yeah. we'll have to. Uh, obviously, there's no. No legal reason why they can't put those gates and the hoops there. but As uh, I say, you call that a trap, why don't you make a better one? Yeah. But the thing is, it ha- has been working for a large, a large, it's the last remaining large fishery, okay? You've had the ground fishermen. There's something like only two boats left in Maine, east of Portland. And the Portland Fish Exchange is closed down. All those boats have gone to Gloucester, hmm. Massachusetts. Um, other fisheries, the urchin fishery, for instance, everybody and his brother was a diver for a couple of years, and I wouldn't say, uh, you know, in, I was going to say an idiot could jump overboard in February, but it takes, and maybe it takes an idiot to put on a wetsuit and jump in in February, no. but uh, you don't want to put the boys down like that because that's a hard job and people yeah, actually, you know, are risking their work. lives doing that, but pretty much anybody or his brother could get a wetsuit and a license, jump overboard and make $1,000 a day. And so pretty much everybody and his brother got into the fishery till it was overfished and now there's no urchins, so... Uh, you know, there's only it's shooken out, and there's now only a few people in the fishery. Eels, little glass eels, come mm. up the brooks in the spring. Same thing, gold rush, and uh, you know now there's only a couple of nets in the in the brooks. Will the lobster fishery end up going in a similar direction? And are they in fact shaking out some of the boys right now over fuel and bait, and you know the new. What's going to be the new overhead price structure? Well, yeah, if they're going down in price and up in cost, then you've got to have an efficient trap to make your ends meet. So that means that anybody that's going to yeah. try to keep going is probably going to go with those gizmos and the hoops there that keep the lobsters in. But yeah. as you say, how long can it last? And as you say, what's the hard part about catching a lobster if they flock to the trap? Well, you know, there are some people that, that catch more of them than others. We, um, a couple of years ago, interviewed Bruce Fernald from out to... Uh, Excuse me, Islesford, a little Cranberry Island. And uh, Bruce's father was a pretty famous fisherman, and I was trying to get him, uh, who's passed on, and I was trying to get him to mention his dad, okay? And I says, well, Bruce, this is one of my favorite boat talk moments. He says, I said, Bruce, how'd you learn to be a fisherman? Bit of a silence. He says, well, I don't know as I learned yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, I remember that. Yeah, and there is quite a, uh, like I say, there's more to it than just tossing the trap overboard. And, and other people have said, well, if, if they uh, flock to the trap immediately, why don't you just jig them? Mm-hmm. You know, and in fact, uh, you know, if that worked better, maybe the boys would try it. And uh, you think it's easy, you try it. Yeah. So anyway. All come, right. Come boating. Let's talk about them. Yeah. Uh, there's a big event coming up at the end of the month on Saturday, July 25th, 26th. Down in Belfast, it's the uh, Belfast Heritage Days, and there's a lot going on boat-related down there. Last year, if you were tuned in, um, you may have heard the coverage we had of the Boat Building Challenge. They have a, um, a contest down there, 
teams of two are given materials to make a, uh, I think it's a 12-foot rowboat, flat-bottom yep. rowboat. Been there, done that. Yeah. And uh, over a certain period of time, you get to build a boat, and it's judged on uh, quality and, and time. Then they have a rowing and race. Then, then they have a rowing race with the yeah. boats that you build. It's pretty interesting seeing these guys build it. I have a photograph of a guy who's using a chainsaw to cut, you know, the, the bottom shape. Yeah. <laughs> at this. My friend uh, Richard Ryder from Union River Boat and I did it down in Southwest at the Wooden Boat Show years ago. It's hardest I ever worked in my life, probably. <laughs> we had a heck of a good time. Hour and 46 minutes. The um, I believe the uh, record is under an hour now. Mm-hmm. We uh, had trouble. We had two bits of trouble. One was every team besides us looked at the boat and says, wow, well, let's practice. And they went out and bought the stuff and pre-built the boat one time to practice. We just showed up and did it. And uh, the other problem we had was that Richard doesn't row well. And uh, he fumbled the oars and dropped an oar. And, and uh, we might have won if, uh, you know, uh, he hadn't dropped his oar and stuff. But it was, uh, it was a heck of a good time. At one point, I'm looking for the caulking gun. And uh, Richard, where's the, and look out. And somebody in the audience is, is uh, three or four people back in the crowd is, is, has it in their hands is reading the label, looking at the... <laughs> The tube of Sikaflex, you know. I was like, give me that. And uh, my other favorite one was uh, you had to make some oars, so I've uh, ripped up a two-by-two, basically, and I've got a router upside down on my bench vise, and I'm uh, chucking the thing through to round over the edges of the thing, right? And I'm going just as fast as I can, and I'm I'm just ramming that thing through the router. And uh, as I pushed the thing behind me, it went into the crotch of an old lady. And Ooh. she went down on the ground, and I dropped what I was doing. Are you okay, dear? Oh, jeez. And she's, oh, no, you're busy. You, I'm okay. You go back to work. <laughs> Glad she's a good sport. <laughs> oh, she was quite nice about it. So anyway, there's your boat building challenge. Yeah, well, uh, also on that day, they're going to be having, uh, Boating's going to be having a, a rowing event at at the Belfast Town Landing. They're going to have a, a race, and they're also, I believe, going to have uh, some well, open boating, we'll call it, too, for yeah. people who are interested. Those are our friends that come boating. And, again, they've invited us down to go rowing in their Cornish uh, rowing gig, yeah. which are the celebrity rowers. I'm trusting, uh, hopefully, you're a... Yeah. I yeah, pride I, myself. I think uh, <laughs> learning to row is, I think, a basic, but anyway. Yeah. Um, one more thing we got to mention last month on Boat Talk. We talked to Dick Baldwin down in Belfast, and Dick had an idea, and he built some uh, four-foot... Uh, little little boats out of uh, blue blue styrofoam from the building supply center, and he fiberglassed them. He put a little uh, sail up in the bow, a keel on the back, and a GPS transponder in the middle. And he had the schooner Bowden release them off in Newfoundland about, uh, I don't know, pretty much a month ago now, mm-hmm. five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can go to a website, BoatTrack.com, and find out where these boats are drifting to. And again, they're kind of wind-driven. Yeah, it's not just exactly drift, drifting. It's yeah. sort of being pushed by the wind. Yeah, it's kind of a glorified message-in-a-bottle experiment. Mm-hmm. He expects them to uh, wind up in the Bay of Biscay in France. They may end up on, uh, you know, um, uh, in the Caribbean where some other main gear has ended up. Who knows? But uh, I checked them a couple weeks ago, and they were released off of Race Point, Newfoundland. And a couple of days later, they were still in the Race Point, Newfoundland vicinity. Um, about three weeks after that, I looked it up, and if you draw a line dead south from Newfoundland and dead east from Maine, that's where they were. They'd gone basically south, hmm. okay? And they were, at first, they were within five miles of each other. After three weeks, they were within 27 miles of each other. Huh. And you looked them up this morning. Where yep. are they at now? Well, it was last night, but still, um, 
One of them looks like it's either very close to or has actually hit Newfoundland, the very southern end of Newfoundland. So they've gone back north. Yeah, yeah. northeast, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the other one is 14.5, 14.7 miles just south of Newfoundland. Interesting. So we, they've, they've come closer together, but one of them may be in peril. And we wonder, maybe the one that's ashore in Newfoundland, is it in sh- ashore in a fishing net? Uh, yeah. Who knows? In the hold of somebody's boat along <laughs> yeah. with a bunch of dirty big codfish? I yeah. mean, you know. That's possible, too. We'll see if it shows up on eBay. Yeah, but it's an item that you probably couldn't mistake. And, again, the uh, transponder is, uh, you know, uh, will allow Dick to uh, call somebody in the neighborhood and and start asking people. Yeah, we'll keep tracking these guys. Yeah, and hopefully we'll talk to Dick in the future. We are coming up on the end of Boat Talk here. Uh, 1-866-625-9378, still the phone number. And, uh, again, we just rattle on unless you come and... And interrupt us. We're always looking for interesting things to talk about. Now, Giffy uh, wasn't here this morning. Giffy had the best excuse ever. Captain Giffy Full is uh, probably the dean of American boat surveyors. A surveyor is somebody who evaluates the condition of a boat. And Giffy's in his 80s, and uh, he has a little lobster boat, and he's been working on his house all spring. And well, he is going for a cruise this week, and that was that. So Giffy was not available, but he'll be here next month. And uh, we uh, feel that Giffy makes us look good as well. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway. That's just lunch. Um, we miss Giffy. And, uh, again, we're always interested in uh, input from the audience, you know, whether you want us to go for a different boat ride or you've got something that we're not paying any attention to, get a hold of us. And uh, we can be reached here at the station at boattalk.org. And, uh, you know, we are open to suggestion, more or less. Well, it's about time for us to... Uh Sail on out of here and make room for Jim Pahoosh coming up next with On the Wing. And uh, I forgot one other uh, note. Okay. My life has changed. I bought a catamaran. Oh, that's right. You told me that. I bought a little AquaCat catamaran. Sailing used. fast. I've got it re-rigged, and I'm seeing parts of the lake I've never seen in the kayak or the dory. And, uh, boy, it's fast and it's stable. I was sailing the other day on a big reach across the lake, and the, <laughs> the hull started to lift, and I sat up. I was laying down facing backwards, you know, and I paying attention. And my eyes got big, and I looked up, and I thought, well, we're cool. And then I looked at the other hull, and it was underwater. It was torpedo time. It was submarine, and I, my eyes got big again. And I went, no, we're still cool. Ah. <laughs> so I've been having a sailing renaissance, and I've been just having the time of my life. And uh, catamaran, I've never, i got no experience on those, but I'm becoming a believer. Yeah. Sailing and fast are not supposed to go together. Well, I want to go faster now. So anyway, <laughs> that's Boat Talk for this month. Second Tuesday of the month, we'll be back. In the meantime, stay tuned. On the Wing with Jim Bahoosh. Back to the music coming up next. Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for powerboats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. WERU is a unique reflection of life in eastern Maine. On any given-